You're listening to Off to Market with Scott Farley and Hamish Chadwick. I'm Hamish. I'm Scott. And today the theme of the podcast is the drawing board. So Scott, can you tell us a little bit about uh, where you start in terms of uh, product development? No problems at all. So last podcast is all about um, defining the project needs and doing some risk management, uh, risk mitigation processes to try and make sure that that's, it's actually worth doing the project. So we, we're at the point now where we know this is a really good product, there's a market need. Now we just have to satisfy the market need. So this is all about um, drawing out unique ideas uh, from my mind and the, the market research and solving the problem. So how do I do that? Well, the, um, the first, this is sort of like, I guess, the design stage. So you have the research stage, design stage, and then there's sort of a line in the sand where you sort of freeze the design, so all the free thinking goes away and it's all about making something work. So then that becomes an engineering stage and then a commercialization stage. So we're right in the design stage now. So it's all about no wrong answers um, until you get to a point where, uh, you know, there are no wrong answers, so you can, you can be outside the box, but they have to be relevant answers. So that's where the definition of the project comes into it. So in your mind, you've mapped out what's needed, what the market needs, you're walking in the shoes of the market or the end user, um, and you are trying to design a solution for the problem. And that's all about lots of different ways of doing the same thing. So it's really free thought. You're putting down lots of ideas um, that are all valid and all solve the design criteria, but all approach the product solution in a different way. So there's plenty of different ways to put water in your head, you know, cup, glass, all different ways of just drinking. So what we're trying to do in the project we're looking at is look at different ways of doing that. And some things will suit the project more than others and some things will have, you know, there's always a compromise of certain things. So we're trying to find the one with the least compromises. So the way I do that, I use, I'm a very visual person. I've got a very good visual imagination. So I'll find a very quiet time of my life. Usually it's two in the morning when I should be sleeping. And I just- We both work very hard. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why these ideas can't come at 3.30 in the afternoon or something, but they, they always seem to come early in the morning. The really, the really good ones come early in the morning. So it's when you're really quiet. Your brain is probably in a different different phase. I'm not sure what it is, but uh, it's probably in a, in a phase that's very quiet. There's no, well, no distractions. No, no, this, this goes back to my point uh, earlier in, I think, podcast number two, which was you've got to let your subconscious do the work. And Definitely. that's what's happening there, Scott, yep. is you, you focus all day during working hours you're thinking, 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 trying to beat your head against the wall sometimes, working out the solution, but then you go away, you, you look at something else, you watch a TV show, have some dinner, and then all of a sudden at two o'clock in the morning, the solution in. hits you in the head. So, yeah. well, hopefully it hits you in the head. But. And I guess my process is, <laughs> if you define, the, if you put the right questions in your head and go to sleep on it or driving or whatever, driving is another one. <laughs> I get a lot of ideas when I'm driving because yeah. you're probably in a quiet state of mind when you should probably be focusing on whether the traffic lights are working or not. But, um, you know, it, it is that sort of thing. Your, your subconscious does probably solve a lot of these things. And, and, and I guess for me, what I do is I just put a lot of ideas in my head and they're all based on the same sort of criteria. I can solve this problem this way, this way, this way. And I might turn over 100 ideas in a morning and each one of them will be sort of working towards an evolved solution. And, you know, next morning I might do the same thing. The first morning I might go to work after that thought process and sketch a few things down as it's working. I might find that once I start sketching, another part of your brain starts working. And you go, hang on, this is not gonna work from a manufacturing perspective. You go back to the drawing board, you think through another 100 ideas. 
and you evolve that idea until you come up with a concept. You might do that a number of times, you might end up with three concepts, and that's how you end up with three really unique ways of solving the same problem. And then all we do uh, is we, we just draw, them. we're quite good with our hands in drawing, so we draw that up as a nice visual sketch that sort of outlines what we're, what, we're, what we're trying to aim to achieve. And that's our communication tool for the client. So that's how I, um, I do the initial concepts. I, I take that to the client, we get feedback. We might even, even take that to the market uh, under non-disclosure and just sort of see if it's satisfying the need of the market. If it is, um, we can sort of develop it further, refine it back and do a final concept which might take into consideration anything we've learned from the initial concept feedback and also um, more of the manufacturing aspects of the product, a more, more detailed um, analysis of how it might be made. And, and sorry, just, just to butt yeah, in there, Scott, you, you said you, you would go to market. It sounds like you're doing some market research there. You yeah, actually... a little bit of feedback. I've certainly used that really usefully in some places where we've had a, not a standard, but an authority. We've run the product past and it saved a lot of headaches because they, okay. they redirected the product at a very early sketch stage. Yep. We thought we'd solved it and thought, oh, this is the simplest way we can possibly do that. It solves every aspect. I'm very proud of the concept. We put it in front of the market authority, or the, um, sorry, not the market authority, but the industry authority, and they said, we love this idea, it needs a locking mechanism. So we had to go back to the drawing board. Thank God we hadn't gone through the prototypes level. We, we knew this authority was gonna be the, the defining mm. voice. So it was really important to go and see them under non-disclosure, get their feedback. We changed the direction in the final concept. We didn't even take a, we didn't even take a step out of the, the process. We just modified that for the final concept and went to engineering. Mm-hmm. And that was a very successful product. Yeah, because uh, my, my advice with that is, uh, and obviously depending on the product, is if you go to family and friends and ask their opinion, uh, more often than not, uh, I mean, who knows? They might say, no, I think it's crap. But if, if all they're going to do is turn around and just want to be... 100% supportive in anything that you're doing, that can lead to problems. So it's always good to get a third party yep. to give you some yep. objectivity. There's another aspect I hadn't really discussed there, but when you're doing these concepts, you've got to put a lot of hats on. So I have very few inventors actually, and most a lot of, a lot of people got ideas, so they come to me with an idea and I invent it for them. I would say that in all the years I've been doing this, probably over 20, I've only really met about 10 inventors and that's someone who's come to me with a solution. And it's, it may not be, it may just be a sketch, but it's a solution. It might be a prototype that, that solves the product on one level at least. So they've actually solved the problem with a working prototype. And that's to me, like, well, I call it maybe a proof of principle jig or something or other. But that's what invention is, the solution, mm. not the idea. Mm. I want to go to the moon, but I don't want to spend any money. <laughs> you know, that's an idea. You just need a solution for that. Yeah, invention's the solution, and you know I've got no no problem with people coming to me with, to me with ideas because that's what I'm I'm pretty much a professional inventor, which is pretty unique. But I love that part of the process. It's it's really where I get my um get into a zone, and enjoy that part of it. But yeah, you really have to put a lot of caps on. There's no point in solving a problem from only one perspective, like a f- purely functional product pro- solution. Probably not going to be able to make it to market because you've also got to look at ergonomics, safety you know, packaging, cost of manufacture, manufacturability, you know, refining all the parts out of it, you know, making products as simple as possible so that, like if you go to, to, to market with a very clumsy, overly engineered product and someone likes the idea, he's got means, they'll look at it and make it more simple, probably get around your patent by doing that and come on 
to the market with a product that's half the price of yours and solves the same problem instantly mm. overnight you've just lost 80 percent of your market share and you go bust it happens all the time mm. you really have to have a really well refined product to go to market with or and i don't say this because it helps my case in any in any uh, circumstances but uh, sometimes i mean look i've worked with uh, this is totally outside of the invention realm but i've worked with companies that have been around for say 50 years and a competitor comes along with a similar offering or the same offering and maybe it's slightly better in quality or maybe it's slightly cheaper in price there's still opportunities there with messaging and marketing to combat that, 100%, uh, yeah. yeah, and so that there's, there's, there's two sides to that coin. I mean, you, you can. I mean, that's why I say you know brand strategy is a real thing. I mean, a lot of it's it's a when you say brand to people, it's a it's a loaded word. But it, when you're looking at how you use that as a business tool to achieve outcomes, that's when things get serious, and you can look at how you build your message and how you get that message out to the market to achieve your goals, which is obviously to sell product or services. Uh, but it's still a real tool which has a, a, can have a tremendous impact on, on the financial viability of your, of your company. I've got a yeah, really good example of that. I um, first employed, was it the first job I used you for with the click sinkers? I think so. Yeah, so I produced a product for myself which is called uh, click sinkers. And so there is, I think I've mentioned before, there are snap on sinkers. It's one, and one project I can harp on about because there's no confidentiality. I can't. So for, for, the, for those not familiar with, with, with fishing, it's a, it's a fishing, fishing, fishing product. product yeah. yeah. Um, the reason I'm using it as an example is because I, I, I can't tread on anyone's toes <laughs> <laughs> because they're my toes. Um, but yeah, I had, uh, I had uh, gone out and uh, this is how I've learned that I can't do market marketing <laughs> because I did it by, by mistake. And I called my sinkers snap-on sinkers because I figured, well, it snaps on and it snaps off again. It's awesome. And uh, I'd go to trade shows and people would walk past the display and they had got a picture of it, Andrew Eddie has and showing how it works and it's sliding up and down and they walk right by and I, I stopped them and I'd say, oh, have you heard about the sinkers? And I'd go back and talk to them and I'd say, we, we don't use snap-on sinkers. And I said, what do you mean you don't use snap-on sinkers? Well, it, it's fixed to the line, whereas it isn't fixed to the line, but the snap-on just triggered their thoughts to think it was snapped on the line and you know I, I don't use snap-on sinkers that snap onto the line I use running ball sinkers it's a little bit of jargon there but I just had the wrong wording and people were walking past the stand because I had two wrong words on the packaging so Hamish came along and we changed the quick change sinkers it was totally unambiguous you could just say well this is all it does it, it's easy to change the sinkers it's quick and easy you know and he got involved with with the you know making it more personal he, he, he's got on the back of the packet now outfish your mates it's what people really want to do outfish their mates you know they want to get more fish and so Hamish had a way of just tapping into the psyche of the buyer what they actually want to achieve out of the product and that was something I wasn't able to do I visualize products and I can see them in my head I can see how plastics work I can I can picture how things are going to explode or break or whatever I can see how they're going to be molded but as soon as I start looking at how people are going to look at my product, how to, how to brand it, how to verbalise it. Well, I look, just haven't got any vision. Yeah, well, there's no. That's the thing. Technically, there was no problem with what you had. It's just the distinction between the solution I came up with was simply looking at it from a an outcome perspective, and that's the trick with a lot of marketing. Is you've got to focus on outcome, not process. A lot of people focus on their product or their services, the, the process, they're, they're in love with their process, they're in love with how the product works or how it looks. But from the customer's perspective, I know this all sounds, Means uh, it, it, it all seems so straightforward to talk about it now, but all I did was come along and look at it purely from a, again, 
I'm walking past it very quickly. It's slightly more expensive than what already exists in the marketplace. What's going to compel me to pick it up and then understand it and then take it to the counter and part with my money? Now, it's very pragmatic. When you look at it like that, you think, okay, well, yeah, and that's the thing. People looked at it and thought it would, you snap it on and then it would never come off. Yeah. Whereas quick change completely changes the product because you've got more than one size. There's a whole range of sizes. It means you can quickly change from size 8 to size 6 or size 4 to size 10 and vice versa. Uh, and so it then all of a sudden lends itself to a product, uh, being a product which is going to uh, help, help you in your fishing, not just an, a slightly more expensive version of the same thing that already exists. And I think that's the, that's the key there with any product is to continually look at, at the outcome. Yeah. And I guess this is what comes back to what you were saying before, Hamish, when you said that you've got to be careful who you listen to because, you know, I've seen hundreds of products come from an idea to market uh, through my career and you wouldn't want to listen to me about marketing. <laughs> and, and I just feel like everyone has their own skill set. You have a flow, you have a genius in an area. I'm not ashamed to say I'm very good at seeing solutions quickly that seem to be appropriate. And, I, and I've seen through Hamish's work he is very good at tapping into the psyche of the people he's marketing to and then he is able to put the right message on a package where I'm not. Mm. So, you know, you have to, I guess, uh, find find people who are experts in their field and although some people might be generally very good at the whole process, you really have to also rely on experts in each field. You can't rely on one person to do the whole. I've had tool makers telling my clients, to do things a certain way because it's really good in tooling but I can tell you um, it will jeopardise their whole patent strategy their whole sales and the whole future of the company because of uh, changing to a cheaper cheaper manufacturing process it can be deadly mm. absolutely deadly, deadly to a pro- project to, to change things outside of the business plan you originally put in place You've been listening to Off to Market with Scott Farley and Hamish Chadwick